I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. Coughlin will set out on a 3,100-mile run across America from the Statue of Liberty to San Diego's Ocean Beach in the hope of raising awareness and support in the fight against rare diseases. It will be the third run across the country for the founder of the Run for Rare Foundation and begin on February 28th, World Rare Disease Day. We spoke to Coughlin about his run, what motivates him to do this, and what he hopes to accomplish. No, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Daniel, for having me. I uh, look forward to uh, telling you about this big adventure I'm going on. Well, you're getting set to kick off Run for Rare, uh, a run across America from the Statue of Liberty to Ocean Beach in San Diego to raise awareness and support for rare disease. This is actually your third and, and you say your final run across America. It kicks off February 28th, World Rare Disease Day, and, and ends on the 4th of July. Take us through the route. You know, on the, on the route right there... Uh, I was connected to some people uh, in New York City, and, and uh, based on the way the last run ended in, in Boston, um, with a big uh, presidential police escort and uh, folding of the American flag there, I just felt like it was appropriate to kind of continue the story, and Statue of Liberty was the perfect uh, perfect place to, to kind of start considering running across America. So start in New York City, and then go through Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, and then end up going through the Appalachians, and hopefully it's not too snowy. And then I end up in Nashville, um, Memphis, Little Rock, Oklahoma City, Albuquerque, Phoenix, and then San Diego on July 4th. Well, your your involvement with rare disease began with two childhood friends who suffered from Batten disease. Can, can you explain what Batten disease is to listeners who may not be familiar with it? And tell us how that experience led to your runs? Yes, absolutely. So Batten disease, is, it's a very rare uh, childhood brain disease, probably, uh, probably one of the worst uh, childhood diseases I've ever come across. I didn't know all the parameters of this and, and uh, details as a child when I met these two friends at my church. I just knew that they were starting to lose their sight, and they were two sisters, and uh, basically the, the children through an inherited mutated gene from each parent uh, developed loss of sight, loss of speech, loss of motor skills, cognitive loss, dementia, progressive seizures, ultimately leading to uh, being too bed, bedridden and unable to communicate. So it's really, really tragic um, for, for these families and for these children that go through it. So I knew these two girls growing up, and it wasn't until I was an adult, about 25, that I actually researched it. And that's when I found out there was only approximately 3,000 children around the world that had this, this rare uh, brain disease called Batten disease. And that was the catalyst for, for me wanting to do something big for, for these two girls and, and for the rest of the children. Well, a, five, a 5K run wasn't going to cut it. You know, with something so rare, it, it kind of bothered me that, that there was, there was um, not a cure. And I knew that, that I was not a doctor or a scientist or, 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 or learned enough on, on that end. But I knew I was an athlete. So I said, you know what? Let's try something big, and it, it it worked. I survived, 
and was able to, to make it across America. Well, Twice. this run is not for Batten disease, but rare diseases broadly. Why have you decided to do this, and what are you hoping to accomplish? You know, with the first two runs, the first one in 2011 and the, and the second one in 2013, um, I, I put my best foot forward to, to go across America and go into every town where there was a child with, with Batten disease and get that child and family on the local news, um, local newspaper, uh, magazine, radio, any, anything, even through social media, and really made it a, a, a pretty good push to put a human face on a very rare disorder. And I did that two times. But in my travels, I met thousands of other people with a rare disease, with a, a separate rare disease, many of them. And now that uh, an opportunity has come up again for 2015, I've decided uh, you know, to continue honoring the story of, of Batten disease. Um, it is now, a, a, I feel like it's appropriate for me to, to tell the story of rare diseases as a whole. It's not just uh, Batten disease, it's, it's, uh, it's rare. Well, as we mentioned, this is your third run across America, which, which I understand will be a record. I'm wondering what those first two runs were like. What stands out about those experiences? What surprised you most? I'll tell you what, the first one was called um, 20, 2011 Run for Research. It was, I was a 20, I was about 26. I had zero miles on my body for a big run. So I was uh, nice and fresh and, and ready to hit the road and went 2,500 miles from San Diego to Jacksonville. And it was fascinating to me, to me to see that, yes, the public was receptive, the media was receptive, the families were receptive, and it turned into some just an amazing journey. And I was as surprised as anybody that I actually made it to the Atlantic Ocean. It was a lot of weather extremes, some tornado weather, some um, the heat of the south, a few dog chases, and a few bee stings. And lost 30 pounds, 10 pairs of shoes. So I was uh, very surprised I made it across the continent. That was just the first run. Uh, the second run happened two years later. Um, and I went a little later in the year. I started in July. And I, and I did not have a support crew like I did the first time. But I chose to uh, push a jogging stroller. And I attached a big 8-foot pole and a 3.5 or 3-by-5-foot American flag. Considering I was going solo. And two years later, from 2011, I was stronger physically. I was a little more experienced with what to expect on the road and with the media. And um, I just ended up going solo. And I ran from Half Moon Bay, California, to Boston, Massachusetts, a longer route, more mountain ranges. There were 17 states, nine mountain ranges, three deserts. And it was the same strategy, trying to reach all the families to the north with, with Batten disease. But this time, there was there were many more weather conditions. Going solo through a, the Utah salt flats was pretty mentally defeating. And right when I got out of the desert state, a big, big flood hit Colorado, which was, uh, it was tragic for the area. And I happened to be there at the same time. And as soon as I got past the, the Rockies, the water started coming down the backside of the Rockies and flooding those rivers. And as soon as I got, got to the Northeast, the cold started to set in. I got there right before what they call the polar vortex. But it was an amazing experience both going 2011 with, with a support crew and then 2013 completely on my own with a um, just pushing a jogging stroller with all my supplies. And do you find people with rare diseases and their families reach out to you as you run? 
Yes, sir. It's actually a very magnetic uh, event. Uh, I also like to call it a social experiment for something. It's kind of a, something as big as this is kind of an anomaly. So I went in with my my hopes kind of low, just trying to get a few people uh, connected with uh, the news and maybe and maybe just get a few stories told. And I was just overwhelmed with a, a flood of support, and it was a it was an amazing thing. Talked to many people, not just Batten, uh, not just included Batten disease, but just many people who were who were in healthcare or who were in different industries who somehow were related to someone with a rare disease, whether it's a nurse or a or a, a brother or an aunt or uncle, I've, and it was every city across America, big cities, small cities, urban areas, rural areas. There was always somebody who I ran into, whether it was a grocery store or a hotel lobby. And I started, I was learning. I was learning as, as I was going. I'm curious about the logistics of all this and, and what it takes to do it. This is a 127-day run, which is more than, you know, what I figured was 24 miles a day. Do you run the entire way, and, and do you do this every day, or are there days of rest? So with uh, with this third run specifically, um, I've been able to learn a little bit from my first two of, of um what to do and what not to do. So I've decided to give myself a little more extra time. There are some scheduled days off. I will be in some, some big cities and want to meet with some leaders in, in rare and, and um, other industries, government and uh, biotech, uh, biopharma and uh, city halls and, and mayors and, and everybody. So I've, I've taken a, a more strategic approach this third time to really um, get the word out with, with some with some big, uh, big venues that I'll be speaking at. And are you going to have any support traveling with you this time? I will have a, I will still actually be solo pushing the stroller, uh, for a reason, because that's how I can, uh, carry the American flag. And, um, that brings a whole new element with, uh, taking the, taking the American flag from coast to coast. I will have a uh, documentary film crew who will be there about half the time. Uh, documenting a few families we come across and, and anything else that happens. And this flag, is this the one that you were given at Travis Air Force Base? Yes, sir. I've been doing quite a few speeches over the last couple of years. Uh, local Travis Air Force Base invited me to speak to the, the airmen and women. And two times in November, the second time I came in, they they gave me a, a plaque with a, with a flag or a commendation. Uh, and the flag itself was folded. And it was recently flown in Iraq uh, in the United States area of responsibility there. So how many pairs of shoes are you going to go through? You know, I go through about 10 pairs each time. And you want to change them out every 250 miles just to preserve your hips and your knees and your ankles. And in terms of food, you know, you're going to be burning a lot of calories. What does it take to fuel you? Well, I eat and drink combined between six, about six to nine thousand calories a day, and that's under a perfect scenario of you know available stores open and and that's it depends whether you're in a desert or whether you're, whether you're in a major city. There's uh, there's only so many resources, but with the stroller I push, I can carry plenty of uh, of food and, and snacks. Uh, I try to eat between six and nine thousand calories a day. You eat as healthy as you can, and just hit the road. Your body just needs calories when you do something. Like this. 
your body has other needs too. What do you do about bathroom breaks? Bathroom breaks. Tell you what, there's a <laughs> there's been a few times. You know, you're you got to do what you got to do when you're out uh, in the desert. But as long as you're in civilization, there's always uh, some sort of uh, uh, restroom available somewhere. Thirty one hundred miles. You mentioned uh, the Appalachian Mountains. What 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 kind of terrain are you facing uh, from from point A to point B? You know, this one's a little different. This is the first time that I will be running from the Atlantic Ocean, East Coast, to the Pacific Ocean, West Coast. That has a whole different set of challenges. I'm starting off on February 28th, which is World Rare Disease Day, and it is right in the middle of kind of the snowstorms coming in right now. I'm I'm monitoring the weather on the East Coast, and it's looking pretty cold, about 20 degrees in the afternoon in New York City about now. So that's one challenge is the snow and the cold and the terrain there. Still relatively flat. And as soon as I make it over the Appalachians, I've never been there. So it's going to be my first time going through Virginia and up and across the Appalachians. And go a little bit slower over the mountains, of course, just to preserve uh, preserve my body, not get too injured. When I get to the Midwest, uh, usually between April and June of every year, there is a high chance of tornadoes coming in, a tornado outbreak. So I will be, be looking at that. I'm, I've talked to a few people at a few of our National Weather Service um, places and maybe have a inside scoop on some pretty powerful storms that are will be coming in to, to know if I should take the day off and just hunger down. Yeah. I, I suspect there'll be times when you're going from from a daily run where there isn't necessarily a motel or hotel available. What what do you do about sleeping? Well, that leads me into the desert. Uh, the third, the third, uh, last third of America on my way to San Diego is the desert. So New Mexico, Arizona, California. Uh, I will if there is no hotel, I do have a tent on standby and a sleeping bag. Where I can just, um, after a long 40 mile day or so, I can just pitch a tent and get a few hours of sleep and then wake up at sunrise and hit the road again. And, and do you take a single route? Is there a, a freeway or something you follow or do you go mix it up? Well, you have to obey the laws of the land. Each state is different as, as are the, um, permissions from the state authorities. So some states I can actually run on the interstate, mainly in, in the western United States. And some states, I have to take a frontage road or a, a city road or a back road. And you just have to figure it out as you go. But you mainly want to parallel the interstate. I'd say a good 75% of the time there there is a parallel frontage road right next to the interstate. Uh, and in terms of the, the stroller you're running with, what's going to be inside that stroller? I take so, you do a lot of social media as you go. Yeah, well, of course, I have, a, I have plenty of electronics. So I have my... Uh, my smartphone, which is pretty much my office, I'm able to you know, get my emails and make phone calls and take pictures. I have a camera, I have a laptop, I have food, water, um, a few sports drinks and coconut water and a lot of the common nutritional things that I use. Uh, food, water, clothing, uh, extra pair of shoes, tent, sleeping bag, some emergency food, first aid kit, and um, some miscellaneous things. I'll be tracked on GPS live. Pretty much live, so people can see where I'm at in the United States. Well, how, how can people follow you and support you if they want to do so? You know, we are uh, 
we're putting some major details together on the new website, runforrare.org. That is R-U-N, the number four, R-A-R-E dot O-R-G, runforrare.org. And I'll be doing a daily blog and letting everybody know about all the families I'm going to be meeting with, with many news media links. And it's going to be a pretty, pretty fresh and updated uh, story daily so people can pretty much follow this, this huge story for four months and seven days and see all the causes and families I'll be meeting. Well, what's the plan after the run? Do you expect to continue your efforts around rare disease? Will run for rare continue in, in some form? I do foresee that. Uh, as far as, as far as with physically running myself, I, I know I need to put the brakes on here pretty soon and uh, maybe do some smaller runs, but I would love to, to still make an impact as much as I can uh, as, a, as a voice for rare diseases. And I will continue doing speaking, speaking engagements with schools, churches, venues, um, any, anybody that's willing to listen to the plight of rare diseases. I will continue the efforts however, however I can. And uh, two notes. One is uh, a feature-length documentary involving uh, all three runs across America. The film's called Run for Rare. It's due out in early 2016. We will update people on the details as we know them. And I've also been writing a book the last couple of years. There'll be one book with all three runs and the years in between. And uh, all the stories from the road, that's also due out in next year. Noah Coughlin kicking off his run for rare on February 28th at the Statue of Liberty in New York. And he is the founder of the Run for Rare Foundation. Noah, thanks so much for your time today. Daniel, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com. 